All right, a little review. We, we did a series, we finished a series a few weeks ago. I had been talking about spiritual formation, kind of our identity in Christ and walking with Him. Uh, and then we, we sort of veered a little bit, if you remember, uh, a couple weeks back, uh, our dear friend Doug Martz, who's back there with the kids this morning, came in as Apostle Paul and really just uh, did an amazing, amazing job of just sharing the life of Paul with us. And then uh, last week, and, and today I'm going to share a little bit about the, the National Vineyard Conference. Donna and I were, were in uh, Columbus for that, and so Kevin shared with you guys. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's when I'm gone, and I, I, always, I heard Kevin did a great job, and he always does. I, I actually don't really worry about the teaching when I'm gone. It's everything else that I worry about. But uh, I'm just saying... I'm just saying. So today I do want to give you a little recap uh, on the conference. And then uh, next Sunday, just a little um, preview here. I'm, we're going to do something we have not done in quite a while. I, I don't remember. I think it's been two years since I last taught straight through a book of the Bible. So we are going to go through the book of James, uh, which is kind of a book of the Bible. And I, I only say that because it's really... a. It's it's a it's the Bible, but it's not really a book. I mean, it's sort of a collection. He just it's sort of it's it's random. It's a random book. Okay, it's a random book of the Bible. He's just got sort of a mishmash of thoughts and ideas. But I've been reading James lately and been really uh, encouraged by by it. So we'll we'll take a, a few weeks. I will also give you a little preview. I'm going to put them on the, on the line here. But I get together with some of the young guys every couple weeks, and they have committed to helping me teach through this book. So. They're, look, they're looking at each other. You, Tucker, no, you, you. They're gonna, so they'll be uh, tag-teaming with me, and we'll be going through the book of James starting next week. So every, uh, just a little background for those of you that aren't aware, every two years, the uh, Vineyard USA, all the, all the uh, churches in the United States, Vineyard churches in the U.S., uh, host a national leadership conference. So pastors, leaders, it can be, it's really anybody, but it's, it's, it's designed for basically uh, leadership people in churches. Get together. And uh, so two years ago, we had a, a, uh, a, a regime change, not really, but, you know, uh, Bert Wagner had been our national director for about 12 years, and uh, Bert stepped down, and Phil Strout, gentleman who pastored, or, you know, was pastoring a vineyard church in Maine, became the national director. And so Phil had a crazy idea. Uh, he said, hey, why don't we at the next vineyard conference uh, invite all of our friends from around the world Instead of it being a national conference, we'll do an international. They called it a global family. Um, just so you can get an idea uh, about that, there, there are roughly 2,500 vineyard churches around the world. No one knows the exact number. Uh, and the reason no one knows the exact number is because uh, church planting is sort of an organic thing that happens very quickly sometimes, and we have groups of churches in the Congo, in the Amazon Basin, in the Himalayan Mountains, and in places where, uh, you know, communication is slow and it's hard. So church, it's, it's fluid. Churches are being planted all the time. Uh, every time we try to count, the number changes. So roughly, there are 2,500 churches in 60 different countries. I thought this was kind of cool. Uh, it's hard to see that map, but just this is the point of it. Everywhere that's blue is where there are currently vineyard churches in the world today. Uh, and where are they? What? It's all blue. What are you talking about? Oh, there you go. Oh, thank you, honey. Uh, so the gray areas, 
which really, the gray area, uh, Greenland, parts of northern Africa, Saudi Arabia, Iran, a couple South American countries, Mongolia, Papua New Guinea, are the only places there are not vineyard churches. So everything that's blue uh, is, it represents where there are currently vineyard churches. Okay, go ahead and flip back on now, honey. Thank you. So, uh, so my point in sharing that is just to give you a little update, but also to say that it was insane to think about doing this. Uh, the logistics and the, it was overwhelming. We, we met in Columbus because that is the largest uh, facility of any vineyard church. There were over 4,000 people there all week from 60 countries. Uh, it was chaos, uh, but in really the very best kind of way. Um, I, I will say this. I really, really, I, I wish every one of you could have been there. Because it really was like uh, a family reunion and I don't know if you've ever been to like a big family reunion where you meet cousins or second cousins or great aunts that you've never met before, but your family and you know your family as soon as you meet them. That's what it was like. I mean, uh, there was one night they just said, you know, pick somebody you don't know and turn and pray with them. So I am, uh, I turn around and there's this little guy, and I, this is, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Uh, he's from India, but any, anybody that, that remembers Seinfeld, uh, like Babu, you remember Babu? This guy, he's about this tall. He's, he looks like Gandhi. He's got the little wire rim glasses, and he goes, Oh, hello, my name is Babu. It's so hard, so good to meet you. And so, I mean, but I am like, I'm just bawling. I'm crying because here's this little guy from India and me, and he's praying for me, and I'm just going, This is unbelievable. This is unreal. I have to tell you one story. I'm sorry that, uh, that Wally and Darlene could not be here today. This gentleman here on the left, and honey, can you turn the lights off again for me? Yeah, thank you. You might want to just stay back there and turn them on and off for me. Uh, well, Elliot's, you know, slow. Uh, so the gentleman on the left, is, na- is <laughs> his name is, is Levent, and he is a vineyard pastor in Istanbul, Turkey. And that's his team. Uh, the couple in the middle are Bill and Cheryl Hanawalt, who work with... Uh, vineyard partnership in Middle Eastern countries. So the reason I'm showing you them is this. Um, some of you know, some of you don't know, you may or may not be aware that uh, Wally Moore builds custom guitars. He, he builds custom-made guitars, and he gives them away. And these are really, really nice, I mean, they are beautiful, beautiful guitars to worship leaders around the world that are in need. And so Wally called me a, a couple months back and said, hey, I have a guitar that's almost ready, and I've been praying, and I really believe it's supposed to go to the Middle East. And I said, well, I know a guy that leads partnerships in the Middle East. He said, well, why don't you ask him if they have a need? And so through some exchanges, I got back and found out that the, uh, the ch- this church that's represented here in Istanbul, Turkey, they have a young worship leader who, this is what they told me. Uh, he had a guitar, it, it got broken, uh, and they tried to glue it back together. That was, the, that was the thing. Uh, so I'm like, what are they gluing his guitar back together? So I had the blessing of being the, uh, the messenger and taking this beautiful handmade guitar uh, from Wally and delivering it to these folks. And they were so, so grateful. And they will take it home. And hopefully, once they get back to Istanbul, they'll get a picture of their worship leader with the guitar. And we'll share that update with you. So that was, that was pretty powerful. Okay, talk, go ahead and flip it back on. Uh, so let me, let me just over the course of the week, uh, this was a... A, a very rare and unique event. I have, in 40 years as a Christian, never been in an event quite like this before. We worshipped during the course of the week, 
Uh, and I, I don't know if I have them all because sometimes they were singing in languages that I didn't even know what language it was. But to, to, as far as I could track, uh, English, Spanish, Portuguese, Mandarin, Swahili, Hindi, and Dutch. Now, I, there may have been one or two more that I, I lost somewhere. But um, just, I, I don't know if you can imagine what that's like for me. Uh, on, a, on a few different occasions, the worship leader and the worship team would kind of back down the instruments a little bit and just say, hey, everybody just sing out in your own, own language. They'd sing a chorus, so the same chorus, everybody's singing. And it's predominantly English, so you could hear the chorus in English, but you could also at the same time, in the same tune, but different words, hear all these other languages floating around. And I mean, I tell you, it gives you goosebumps to hear that. Um, I one night, I got to tell you this, I don't have a picture, I wish I did, but I was thinking of, of course, you know, Revelation. Uh, I said after, after this, I looked in before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Um, this is a true story. We were, we were, I was thinking of that verse and in, engaged in this worship experience and uh, at that, right at that time, one of the gals on stage, and I don't even know who it was, uh, she read the verse out loud. And I looked up and there, this is, there's a guy in front of me, about two rows ahead of me, I met him. He is a vineyard pastor from Zimbabwe, and he wears kind of a traditional tribal garb. And so he had different robes on every day. He would wear a different colored robe. But in that particular moment, he's wearing a white robe. And so, first of all, he's a, he's a black guy, and he's about six foot four. And so she reads this verse, and I look up, and I see this huge dude with this white robe on standing in front of me. And I tell you, I just about... So, uh, it, it's impossible to capture everything that happened. I mean, it was a, like I said, crazy, very, very full week. I want to try to give you some highlights. I would encourage you, if you'd like, some of you have, some of you haven't, um, vineyardconference.com, all of the main sessions are streamed. So you can, you can see them. Each session, they just started at the beginning, went to the end. So you get all of the worship, but you also get... You get the announcements and the jokes and the stage changeover and all that. Then you get the message. And then you also get the ministry times, which are kind of cool. So you might want to check in and uh, watch some of those. I would encourage you. It was just uh, some powerful, powerful stuff. So I'm going to try to give you a little, just a little brief overview. Just kind of things that maybe some highlights that, that stuck out to me. The theme for the week uh, really was... Uh, the overriding sort of message was better together. Uh, we're, we're better together. Uh, you know, it's the idea we've talked about community, uh, community of communities, community of churches. Uh, there are so many things that uh, we can accomplish in the name of Jesus together that we could not alone. A couple uh, little quotes there. You know, our, our national director, Phil Strout, uh, says, uh, we will do better together than any of one of us will do by ourselves, which is so true. And then... Uh, Eleanor Mumford, who's a dear friend of Donna and I, and just, I'm telling you, she, she, she's the powerhouse. I mean, there, where's the juice? Ellie has the juice. Uh, we're going to do this together in a spirit of loyalty, affection, and mutual support. 
Uh, so just that theme of better together, the idea that we're connected, that we are connected and that God is doing some things uh, in us and through us that we could never do alone. Let me just a little personal sort of testimony in regard to that. Uh, most of you know I lead the partnership for Nicaragua, and some of you have been to Nicaragua with me. We had 11 of our Nicaraguan friends, pastors and their families and wives with us this week. Uh, six of the 11 had never been out of the country before, never been to the States, never been anywhere uh, other than their, their home country. Um, and their connection to the Vineyard Movement is their church, their, and you know, their churches in Managua, uh, books and, and articles online, and me. And that's what they know of the vineyard. So, so here are these folks, and if you've, those that haven't been to Nicaragua, it's a very, very impoverished country. Very impoverished country. Uh, so they walk into Columbus Vineyard, and to, to be honest, I mean, the same sense that I had, they had, all of a sudden, this is my family. This is my family. And to watch those guys, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. All of the uh, main sessions were translated. It was, I don't know how many languages. I know at least six, but m- maybe more. I'm just not sure. It was too hard to keep up. So folks from their own countries, you know, could see little groups of people all around with headsets on, and they were listening to the teaching live, you know, uh, in their own language. So that was pretty cool. So it really was this idea of family, kind of global family. Um, one thing that was said repeatedly uh, throughout the week that I really appreciated, said in different ways by different people, was that vineyard is a thread. We are one thread uh, in the tapestry of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is, is huge and it's massive and it's multicolored and God's doing all kinds of things. And we're just one thread in that. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're, we're not the whole thing. We're not the best thing. We're not the biggest thing. Uh, we're, just, we're just a thread. We're one part. But we're our thing. We're, 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 this is the thread that we represent, the thread that, that we're a part of. And I'll just say this. I know for some of you, that is more or less meaningful. For some of you, uh, being part of the vineyard is just, this is the church you go to because you know somebody else that goes here. And I get that, and, and I understand that. For Donna and I, it's, it's special. I mean, we've been in the vineyard movement for 40 years. The only church Donna's ever gone to is a vineyard. Um, and I, quite honestly, am very privileged. I feel honored to be able to be a part of a movement uh, that's, you know, the thread in the tapestry that represents what we represent in, in this family. I really am. I'm, I'm incredibly honored to be a part of that. Uh, and that was something this week that was uh, more than reemphasized to me over and over again. Uh, I, I mean, this is, this is a state I've been in for a week. I just, we were just there crying. I just cried. Um, you know, you see somebody you haven't seen in 25 years, you walk up and give them a hug, and you just cry. What do you do? There's no other response to that. Uh, another thing that was said repeatedly all week that I really, really appreciate, John Mumford is one that said it loud and clear, but others did as well. The vineyard uh, is and has always been about Jesus. And it was uh, emphasized and re-emphasized and re-emphasized again that that's more than anything else uh, who we are, what we are, and what we're about. Uh, John's message, he preached from, uh, it wasn't really a message, he was t- just talking, but he uh, referenced Psalm 118. Uh, the Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And I just thought, yeah, we love what we are. I love what God's done, but I love it with the, with the understanding that God's done it. God's done it. He's done it all. He's given it to us. 
and, and we're just a part of it. And it was precious and it was beautiful. Um, there were a number of sort of what we call distinctives, those things that make us what we are, uh, that were brought up over the course of the week. And again, I cannot cover all of those. Uh, but one of them, John's wife, Eleanor, talked about just a, a reminder of, you know, that we've been called to the main and the plain things. And just a reminder that we, we, we can't allow ourselves to become distracted by peripheral issues. Um, we cannot allow ourselves to get caught up in arguing over things that don't really matter. And I'll be honest, I mean, just if I can say it, I just think there's way too much of that in the church today. Arguing over stuff that at the end of the day, who cares? You know, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I have friends that attended a church in Southern California when I was young, growing up, and they, their, their movement, their denominational group, uh, held a certain uh, theology, uh, really eschatology, end times perspective. And their end times perspective was, uh, I don't know what the, I think it's post-millennial pre-trib or something, but they believed that there would be, uh, the, the rapture would happen, something called the rapture, I don't know what that is, would happen, and then the people that were left would go through a tribulation, and then Jesus would return. Which, I don't care, I don't care, but, but the point is, if you didn't believe that, you, they didn't want to talk to you. You can't have fellowship with them if that's not your perspective. And I'm like... Seriously? I mean, I think there's bigger issues. There's bigger fish to fry. So my point is simply the reminder for us that, hey, look, you know, it's all who Jesus is, what God's doing, His kingdom come, His will be done. That's what we're about. We, we cannot get distracted by all this stuff. And if I could just encourage you guys, don't get distracted by all that stuff. Uh, worship Jesus. Make Him known. Do His will. Uh, fulfill His purpose in our lives. And we'll be fine. That, that's... That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Um, I love this. Costa Mitchell is also a dear friend of ours. The guy in the bottom there, he is the national director of South Africa and actually all of Southern Africa. There's about 400 churches in Africa now. Uh, he pastors the first church, which uh, Donna and I spent two months in South Africa in 1982 helping to plant that church. Um, he said, I love this. If you welcome the Trinity... Missions will be a natural outflow because God cannot contain himself. God's too big. If you, if you just welcome God, evangelism, missions, outreach is going to happen because it'll, it'll explode. God can't contain himself. Just welcome the Spirit, welcome Jesus, welcome the Father, and let him deal with the rest. Uh, you know, and I, again, just a reminder to me in Vineyard, and, and I know that people don't understand this, but to me, praying for the sick... Caring for the poor, those are the main and plain things. That's, that is the main and plain. It doesn't get any mainer or plainer than that, if you ask me. Those are not peripheral issues. That's the central focus of God's kingdom. Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel to, to the poor. That's why I'm here. And that's why we're here. That's what we're about. Uh, we live in that tension, the kingdom of God, that tension of holding fast a message that presents, really, power and suffering at the same time. Uh, you know, God's kingdom comes, but not all the time. You know, and you go, okay, well, Peter was miraculously released from jail, but James died there. And so both of those things happen. Both of those things are real. That's God's kingdom. That's who we are. And, and it really was uh, precious just to be in that place of being reminded of some of that stuff again. 
Another thing that was talked about a lot is uh, something that used to be said years ago more. You know, there was this image, this figure of the vineyard man they talked about, and the legs that we stand on are worship and compassion. Just a reminder that that's what this movement was birthed in, worship and compassion. Um, those that don't know the history, Vineyard started with a bunch of what self-proclaimed burned-out Pharisees. That's what they called themselves, burned-out Pharisees, sitting in a living room, literally crying and crying out to God. And, and, and that's what happened, and that's how it started. I was in Nicaragua last year, and a young man came up to me, and he had heard stories about the beginning of the vineyard, and he said, yeah. He goes, you should tell him how it all began in power. And I go, well, I'll be honest, it didn't really begin in power. It, it began in brokenness. It began in brokenness. It began with people who had nowhere else to go. N- nothing left, and so they turned to Jesus. And, and then God poured his spirit in that. That's how it began. That's how it began. Just reminded that we were, we were rem- reminded of, you know, the simplicity of worship, really. Some of the early worship songs, uh, you know, somebody asked me how it was worship. I said it was great. Uh, we, we, we mostly did old stuff. A couple reasons for that. One reason is, again, there was worship in a dozen different languages, and so we were limited. Most of the world is, uh, you know, nobody is translating vineyard songs into Hindi. So there's a guy in a church somewhere in, in India uh, translating songs. So, you, you know, there's, there's a gap. So the, the, the newest stuff that comes out, you know, we're listening to the latest song that came out yesterday. Well, it's going to take five years to get there and for somebody to translate that song. So we were limited by that. But also there was this sense of just recapturing simplicity. I mean, Mumford talked about, um, Eleanor talked about when John first visited California, and then he went back home, and she said the thing about it is after 10 days, he came home, and all he would do is sing, and he never stopped singing, and she goes, he would walk around the house and sing this, Psalm 51, I can't read it, (laughs) but, you know, it's just so precious to think about that, Uh, one night we, uh, you know, it's cool, they sang, uh, Casey Quorum led, all the earth shall worship one night, which is one of the oldest vineyard songs there are. Um, and he's saying it. I know in his mind, Casey's going, okay, all these people from different countries are here, so all the earth shall worship is a great song. But one of those God things, those Kairos moments that you can't plan is this. And I'm just going to share this. I'm going to put it on the line. Carl Tuttle, who wrote the song, uh, was the, he, he was the guy. He was the guy with the guitar that led the worship in the little group of broken people. And Carl's been through a very, very difficult time in his own life. And he, he really crashed and spent a number of years in a, in a place that was far, far from God. But God restored him, and God brought him back. And he's now pastoring a vineyard church again, and he was in the room. See, that's what we're about. The redemption of man, the deliverance of, you know, it's not over till it's over. This guy's life unraveled, and then God brought him back together. And I just thought, you know, when they sang that song, I knew he was there. I couldn't see him, but I thought, what a precious moment to know that that song that he wrote has meaning and power today and all that he's been through. And it was beautiful. It was a, it was a really, uh, really great moment. Just... I'll just say this about worship today. It's just so much a part of who we are. And again, the whole idea of the main and plain things. Sometimes we get so caught up 
and, and the technicalities of it and the sophistication of it and the complexity of it. And I hear things all the time. I like this song. I don't like that song. I like this leader and I don't like that leader. And I like this style and I don't like that style. And I just think, you know, at any point that we forget that what we're really doing is expressing love. We're singing love songs to Jesus. Simple little love songs. All of those early songs were so simple. I mean, that was one of them. We sing a simple song uh, to my Jesus, to my Savior, which is a simple song. If you get caught up in anything beyond that, you've lost the edge. You've lost the point of this is what it's really about. So uh, I would just encourage you again to remember what worship is about and maybe take some time and just pray through some of those those things, uh, and, and maybe refocus your, your worship experience again your, your personally. Uh, you know, another thing that was, of course, talked about is that we're a people of the Spirit, and then this movement was birthed in the Holy Spirit as a move of the Spirit. Uh, Eleanor Mumford, again, did a fantastic job. You know, you know, I'll tell you her story. She, she basically said recently, the, I think it's the Archbishop of Canterbury, who is essentially the Pope of the Anglican Church, okay? So he's the, he's the top guy in the Church of England, and they're friends. He, they know, the, guy, the new guy that just came in, Mumford's know them, he was on his way to go, I think, be poked or whatever. And um, they said, hey, would you stop by? Would you stop by? We would love to pray for you. We have a national gathering of our leaders, and you could pray for us. And they did. So the, the Archbishop of Canterbury met with the Vineyard UK pastors, and... Uh, they prayed for one another, and it was a blessing. And then, and then John said, hey, do you have a word for us? He goes, I do. I do. He, he goes, Vineyard, don't ever, ever, ever let go of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever back off on the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't ever let go of the Holy Spirit. And, and it was just a powerful word. The presence of power of God is so central to the kingdom of God. And the theology, the ministry, everything that we do are so wrapped into really willing to open our hearts and embrace and receive what God has in His Holy Spirit. Uh, I think we've got to hold on to that. We cannot allow ourselves to grow complacent and forget that. We've got to press in. You know, I, here's, I, I realized something this week, and it's this. Sometimes we allow disappointments in our lives. We allow unanswered prayers, uh, people that don't get healed, uh, things that, that don't happen the way we hope they will. We allow those to back us off from prayer. We, we, we begin to not pray because those things have not happened. And I just thought, no, the exact opposite should happen. Every disappointment, every person that's not healed, every unanswered prayer should cause us to press in all the harder press in harder to, to the Spirit of God. And so I, just, I would just in, encourage us as a church, we've got to press in. We've got to press into the Spirit of God. We've got to grab hold of it. We cannot stop calling out to God and praying and asking Him to move uh, and do the things that we know He's going to do. Um, last little distinctive, and it's, it's one that we are so, so familiar with here, but it was brought up again and really reemphasized in a number of ways through the week, is the idea that everybody gets to play. And, and how profound it is. And, and I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, I forget sometimes because Vineyard is basically my, my sphere of influence. But sometimes when I step outside that sphere and I, I allow myself, you know, I'm, I'm in other churches or whatever for whatever reason, I forget that that's not true everywhere. That in other places it's still the reality that there, there's an elite group, that the pastors, the ordained people, there's a certain specific group of people that ministry is limited to. And it's, and it's exemplified by the fact that you know, people will line up to have that person pray for them. 
And we don't see that in the vineyard because everybody gets to play. Every, everybody has a word. Everybody has something to offer. And how precious, precious, precious that is. I believe it's precious to God. I believe God's heart is that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation unto Him. That every single one of us is a priest of God who has the opportunity to usher in the kingdom of God. I, I, I love nothing more, I'll be honest. I love nothing more than on Sunday morning when I, you know, I ask, does anybody have something to share? And one of the girls comes up and you know, says, yeah, uh, yeah, and has a word and giggles a little bit because... I just go, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that's just it. I love when I look out and I see, you know, you guys praying for each other and there's old people praying for young people and, 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 and kids praying for adults. And it just, it's, it's so, so profound. So that is so, so, so special. So, so special to us. Uh, two verses that really brought that up this week I'll share with you. You know, again, uh, Mark 3, Jesus, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. He might send them out. That's it. Come be with me, now go do what I do. Be with me, and then he sent them out. That's what Jesus did. He called them to him, then he sent them out. And, and so God sent the 12, he sent 72, he sent, you know, gave all authority. And he, I just think he's still sending people. He's just still sending people out. Just go do it, go do it, go do it. And then the other one that really touched me, and I, I, I know I've heard this and thought of it before, but it just really impacted me. Uh, just a few verses later, uh, You know, Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Uh, He looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is brother and sister and mother. The family of God. We are all connected. We're all, that's what makes us family is, and, and I talked to, I was talking to my friend Jeff yesterday, California, and just the reality that sometimes in the kingdom of God, this family is deeper and more profound and these relationships are more powerful than even our own natural families uh, and, and the truth of that and the reality of that. You know, it's just, it's amazing to me to think that uh, th- there, are, there are these relationships that we have that are, that are so profound. Um, so, hey, I'll share one last little story with you. I want to pray, but... Um, uh, this guy in the bottom here uh, is named Charles Montgomery. I would encourage you, uh, if you can, on the website to listen to his message. He's actually, he was a fill-in. Carlos Chacon, uh, who is the national director of Costa Rica, was supposed to be there. And his wife had a stroke three days or so before the conference, so Carlos couldn't come. So last minute, Charles stepped in. And he is uh, one of the... The Columbus Vineyard is huge. It's just a massive church, and they have different locations, different sites now, and Charles is one of the site pastors there. And he gave a message on just racial reconciliation. Uh, and just not just racial reconciliation, but really it was bigger than that. It was just reconciliation. And I'll tell you this, uh, he, he is a classic black preacher. I mean, if you, I mean he... This guy has it. He's got it. And, and I'm going to be honest. I mean, this is confession. When he first started, I thought, really? Because, you know, a lot of times those guys will just have platitudes, kind of those little, little sayings over and over, and they don't really ever say anything, but they say a lot. Uh, so I was like, hmm. But as he started, uh, his message was so powerful. And at one point, he made that statement. He talked about this. He said, hey, I, I, had, to, I had to make a sacrifice to do what I'm doing. He goes, I became part of this church. And he grew up in a, in a traditional black church. He goes, and my pastor called me. He said, what are you doing in that white man's church? And he said, uh, 
I had to, and then he, he made this, I, had, I laid down my cultural hermeneutic and took up my Christian hermeneutic. And I'll tell you, it, a place erupted like, you know, just when he said that. that, that's, that we, all of that stuff, all of that stuff doesn't matter. Uh, so I would encourage you to, to listen to that as well. It was very, very powerful. Um, so why don't, we, uh, why don't we do this? Let's pray. Why don't you guys stand up? And uh, whoever's going to come up, come up. I was renewed this week, as you can tell. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. I just want to pray this morning that God would touch some of you guys and renew you as well. I know there's people here that need a touch from God. Truth is, we all do, but some need more than others. Uh, so I'm just going to invite our ministry team. If you guys would come up, and these guys are going to just give us a little worship, and, and I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to just come up. If you need a touch from God, just renewal in your hearts this week, I would just encourage you to come. Come and, and just receive. Just receive the Spirit of God afresh. Uh, you know, it's not one work or two works or three works. It's ongoing. It never ends. We need God's Spirit every day. So, Lord, would you just come now? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and work in our hearts and lives afresh this day. To, to do uh, what you want to do with us today. To renew our hearts, Lord, this day. Uh, whatever happened yesterday was yesterday. Today is today. Would you come and fill us afresh today? Would you pour your spirit on us one more time, Lord God? Would you renew our heart? Would you bring healing this morning? Would you bring deliverance and redemption? Would you bring forgiveness this morning, Lord God? Healing of relationships, restored relationships and, and, and broken hearts today, Lord God. Would you restore physical bodies? Would you bring physical healing today, Lord God? Would you pour your spirit out on, on those that are weak, those that are weary, those that are tired? Would you pour your spirit out, Lord God, on those that just need a touch from you today?